the North Island. For the rest of the North Island, generally fine, but some showers move in. For the South Island, a few showers. The FIFA Women's World Cup starts July 20. Catch commentary of every game on SCNZ or the SCNZ app. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SCNZ. Welcome into your Wednesday, folks. Great to have your company today. We've got half the country with us. The Rural Roundup has the other half of the country. If you're listening in Christchurch, I hope you are, um, listening on the app, that's the way to get us, and you pick the stream for afternoons to get this news coming out of Canterbury very, very shortly. I'll do a reverse grid, two to three. Uh, myself and Kempi will be running it straight for uh, the league show today. No Sammy Hewitt. He's at the zoo. Why? I don't know. Um, we just received notice too that with this player strike, um, Luke Metcalf has had to pull out of running it straight today, but Kempi's going to get someone else organised for that. So that's two to three, our rugby league hour. One o'clock, Fussy Fionati. He's the Wellington Pride Farapama Cup coach, um, a long-time coach at Manawatu. Really got some amazing building blocks there in the women's rugby. And he's now with Wellington, so we will have a catch up with him. We'll have our normals, our TRB odds update, our what's making news, our back in the day, Robinho's uh, award-winning Wimbledon rap as well. And we'll get some cuts out of the Michael Maguire chat he had with Jimmy Smith a couple of days ago just about rugby league and a few players for the Warriors, the Warriors themselves. But we'll get to that at about 12.30. But first of all, the embargoed stuff. I think it's so important. We'll even play an SCNZ thing before it. SCNZ. Right, right. Well, we received a press release saying there was some embargoed, embargoed information coming out of Canterbury Rugby League. So we've gone straight to the source. We've gone to the Canterbury Rugby League CEO, Malcolm Hunt. He joins us now. Uh, Malcolm, welcome in. What's your big news? Oh, hi, Steffi, and hi to your listeners. Um, look, it's probably news that's been uh, we've been working on for the last nine months, Steph, and that is that we've. Um, we have signed into a partnership agreement with the NRL club, the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, um, commencing or effective immediately. So um, really exciting for us, exciting for our clubs, um, players and coaches. Um, yeah, so that's that's our news today. So what's the benefit for your local rugby league players? What, what will they be excited about? Yeah, there's a number of things um, in terms of being um, having access to um, for our coaches, our coaching clinics, so supporting our coaches with their own development, but also in terms of um, the Bulldogs coming over here and running um, camp-like situations with identified athletes. Um, certainly, uh, our players will will be more exposed now um, to the Bulldogs. They'll, they'll certainly be coming over more to watch to watch games, tournaments. Um, so, yeah, in terms of players, certainly more exposure. There'll be immersion opportunities um, on the other side of the ditch where selected players will have the opportunity to be immersed within camp-like environments as well. And I guess the other pieces, um, and, and, and a big part of the, the partnership, Steffi, is that 
um, Canterbury Bulldogs have a, have a, a history of, of their development and their, their deep in the roots of their, their player development. So whether that be Jersey Fleet, SG Ball, Harold Matthews, they've got teams in all those grades. So there's, there'll be opportunities for our our players um, in, the, in those um, competitions as well. Straight away, I know the listeners are going to be, gosh, there's another opportunity for us to lose New Zealand rugby league players into Australian clubs. And it's sort of a, it's a transfer that um, I think rugby league fans would like to see stopped. But we've only got one professional team here in the one New Zealand Warriors um, with a squad of, I don't know how many they've got, 28, 30, something like that. We've got more than 30 good rugby league players in New Zealand. So is it just the fact that the the point of destination to play professional rugby league in New Zealand is quite limited? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, we know, we know there's, a, there's a hot pot of youth whether it be male or female in New Zealand rugby league, and and they're all looking for opportunities, right? And as you say, there is only we've got one NRL team, um, one NRL club in in New Zealand. So um, I guess the other piece around this is that you know we're not looking for these kids to be just uprooted um, early on. Um, we know that NRL clubs like the youth to be to remain in New Zealand until they finish their schooling. So we saw this as an opportunity in terms of how we can support Canary Bulldogs in the development of those those youth until they have to shift over the ditch if they need to. So we're not going to see fourteen year old uh, rugby league players in Christchurch uprooted, family gone over to the over to Sydney, put into a school and all that sort of thing. That I think you just said the focus is leave them here to finish their schooling and just tap into the resource that the Bulldogs have got. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's been the learning from many NRL clubs that, you know, uprooting kids um, at those ages is, is, is just hasn't worked. So we've got to look at a different way and that's what we've had conversations with the Bulldogs for, as I say, the last nine months around how we can support them in terms of those those uh, youth being ready when they do go over there. And that's just not on the field. Um, it's off the field as well, you know, knowing how to get around a transport system, knowing how to cook a meal. Mm. So there's a whole there's a whole range of areas in terms of um, rugby league, but also life as well. Do opportunity doors open for our women rugby league players as well with this alliance with Canterbury-Bankstown? Oh, most definitely. And our conversations have always been around our male and females. Um, so they've got teams in the um, Tasha Cup at the moment with an aim of being in the, the women's NRL in the next one to two years. So, and once again, we believe we've got a, you know, we've got some really talented young females in the Canterbury region. Um, so they're, they're, they're a big part of this mix as well, Steph. What's the local league scene like down there, uh, Malcolm? We don't hear too much about it up in the North Island here. What, what's the club system? What's your participation numbers like? Yeah, look, um, really good question, Steph. Uh, obviously, our, our participation numbers like a lot of sports took a took a bit of a hit um, po- um, during COVID period. Uh, we're now, uh, we've just got our final report um, on last year, a few weeks ago, and our numbers are up to pre-COVID pre-COVID time, so that's really good for us. Um, we're up in our youth numbers, which is exciting. Um, we're, we've got a focus on our, our, our senior men and women at the moment. There seems to be, there has been a bit of a drop-off here, and we're working through, you know, the reasons for that at the moment. But in terms of our, our juniors and our youth, the numbers are up, which is really exciting. 
We heard in recent weeks that Auckland Rugby League have established alliances with um, one club over in Australia, but it looks like it could turn into more. Uh, do you see, and I know you're just Canterbury, but could you see other rugby league um, strongholds in New Zealand? I'm thinking like Wellington. Could could we see other alliances between New Zealand uh, provincial uh, rugby league setups setting up with the NRL with other NRL clubs? I, I certainly think um, if, if the if the fit and the opportunity is right, um, Steph, I think it could be. Um, for us, it's it's really it's really been um, it's been how do we how do we leverage off the expertise of of a you know of a quality um, system, and we know the Bulldogs are, and that, that's really what our rationale was in terms of ensuring our players and coaches have access to that. So I think if the if the fit is right um, and, you, you know, they understand the purpose of it, I think, I, I most certainly think so. Um, we're talking to Malcolm Hun. He's the CEO of Canterbury Rugby League, just established an alliance with Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. There's been, every couple of years it pops up, Malcolm, about a second NRL team in New Zealand, um, and one of the favourite areas was yours, if not the favourite area was yours. Have you worked hard at that? Is it is it too soon for you? And I know this is a very um, loaded question, but uh, does this alliance with Canterbury Bankstown maybe bring that to fruition um, in the nearish future? Yeah, look, that's a, um, <laughs> that's a big question, right, Steph? Um, and look, we we. We, we haven't we have not entered into that discussion with them. We've certainly started the conversation with respect to you know them potentially playing games in Christchurch, you know, a, a game a year in the long term. But look, that, that that's another conversation. In terms of the, oh, I guess another NRL team in in New Zealand. Yeah, there, look, there has been a lot of talk, and I know there's been a lot of social media hype. Um, you know, having come into my role 14 months ago, we, we've got a, a clear strategy in terms of where we want to get to. Um, we understand there's a significant cost around NRL clubs, so right now that's not where our focus is. Um, but that might be a, an independent that might have that focus. But our focus is on the local game here in Canterbury, um, ensuring our our clubs and our players um, are well supported um, and we continue to grow the numbers. You've operated at a high level in a number of sports, Malcolm. What what does Canterbury Rugby League ideally look like to you in three or four years' time? Yeah, look, um, a big piece for us is, is that whoever's involved in the game um, can come into the game, they have an enjoyable experience, They it's a safe experience, um, and, and and they leave the game whenever that is, saying that that game, that sport contributed to my life in some way or another. And that might be through job, it might be through um, making friends. But we just want people to really be able to look back on the game whenever they may leave it, if they leave it, and they can say it was a really enjoyable experience. So we're doing quite a bit of work off the field as well, um, staff, in terms of support to our community in a different a number of different areas. Um, so, yeah, I guess with the other pieces around the women's game, we, we have some work to do in that area. We know there's a there's a catchment of, of young females. It's, you know, how do we ensure we are servicing that to their needs um, and, and that they enjoy it as well. 
So just just uh, in the next wee while, um, what are we going to see? Do you think what are what are the Canterbury people going to see? Canterbury League people going to see um, maybe for the remainder of this year or even into early next year? What what's some marked differences they might see? Yeah, through the do you mean through the Bulldogs yes, partnership yes, piece? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, the key thing we're we're looking to start off is around coaching because that's quite a um, they've already got an initiative they're, they're developing for their own coaches so we were able to leverage off that so I think at the initial piece will the coaches will be able to visibly see this partnership in action um, I'd say over the next sort of six to eight weeks Steph um, there's some other opportunities around um, camps and game situations but we've we've just got a we've got a couple of weeks work to do on that piece to make sure it you know to ensure if it's a reality or if it's a it's a next year thing we're still working through some of that at the moment Steph but I think the coach piece will be the the visible thing we'll see initially. Have you had any discussions of this ilk with the Warriors in, in your 14 months there? Look, we had some really um, some really early conversations there, but uh, you know, we recognise that you know, the Warriors were uprooted right and relocated for a year or two, and, um, and I think they're still putting their building blocks in place in terms of some of those lower grades and those development areas. Mm. So, yeah, we certainly had some early conversations, but we felt in terms of timing, um, the fit might have been best for both the Warriors and ourselves um, with, with the Bulldogs at the stage, yeah. yeah. And finally, um, the success or the the following that the Warriors have in 2023 under Andrew Webster, I just know mm. just sitting in this seat every day, conversations around rugby league have gone up 10 times, tenfold, um, just with their performance. And even though you don't have the relationship with the Warriors, it's with the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, have you found that there are more conversations around rugby league in Christchurch and outlying Canterbury area just based on you know sold-out games at the Warriors, huge viewing figures? Um, and I know that you've got rugby league at your heart. Is there an acknowledgement that the Warriors' success this year has helped you down in Christchurch? Oh mate, I, I think so. And I actually, I just, I'll just come back. Um, we've got a relationship with the Warriors. Uh, we're just not in a partnership with them like the Bulldogs. So, we just need to make that clear. We do. A, we have a good relationship with the Warriors. Um, we've certainly seen um, increased interest, and that's just around the traps. Um, we see a hell of a lot more Warriors jerseys around the traps as well. I've just been down to Omaru for a youth competition, and. Um, you know, people were excited, and so they should be. And we saw in February, just here in Christchurch, when um, New Zealand Warriors played the Melbourne Storm. You know, it was a sold-out crowd. You know, and that's it's just testament, I think, to to what the Warriors are doing in New Zealand rugby league. You grabbed your rugby league surfboard and got on the wave at the right time, I feel, Malcolm. Um, it's going from strength to strength at the moment, and this is pretty exciting for the Canterbury Rugby League community, this uh, this tie-up with Canterbury-Bankstown Rugby League. We wish you well. Uh, congratulations on getting this across the line. They're, they're a wonderfully resourced club, and I have no doubt that it's going to help the youth of rugby league in your region. Well done. Thank you, Steph. Really appreciate it. So there it was in its fullness. <laughs> um, interesting. I tell you what, during that chat, the text machines had a polar opposite reaction. Um, first one came in from Goose saying, Staff, this chat, actually call me, 0800 150 11. We'll get the lines open 
for your reaction to this. On the back of uh, Auckland Rugby League setting up something with Parramatta and these rumours that they're talking to, was it Parramatta or was it Manly? It was Parramatta. Um, but rumours about Manly and, and other teams as well and now the Bulldogs. I know a lot of people are thinking they're getting their hooks into our talent, but our talent, as I mentioned um, in that chat to Malcolm, we've got one NRL team. That's the truth of the situation. There are arguments we should have too, and so we would have 60 NRL um, goals, contracts, goals. At the moment we've got 30. I don't know, it must be about 30 for the Warriors. And they're still getting their building blocks in place to, to getting all of the different age groups. Uh, they're apparently going to be re-entering NRLW as well, so they've got to look after their house initially. Um, Warriors have got nothing to do with the second NRL team as well. It's it's quite cloudy, and it's part of it for me, I don't know if it's a problem, but part of the landscape is there is the Warriors, there is New Zealand Rugby League, and then there's Auckland Rugby League, and that's just up here. And then you've got Canterbury Rugby League. Um, I think for Canterbury Rugby League, it's a good thing for, for, for the youngsters there because I just keep going back to there's only finite spots in, in the Warriors set up. We don't have a second NRL team. Um, and Malcolm just indicated sort of how hard it is to get the funding and the finance and the backing to have a full full-blown second NRL team. Um, from Goose, staff this deal shows the digging Phil Gould did at his time in New Zealand. He's now with the Bulldogs and building a juggernaut like he did at Penrith. And that's true. I mean, I would say, uh, as far as Phil Gould and the Bulldogs go, if they could find an Isaiah Papali'i, another Nelson Asafa Solomona coming out of Christchurch... Um, Experiment tick. Um, developing coaches, I think, is really, really important. Uh, it's become more important across all codes, and that's one of the areas that Canterbury Rugby League feel, you know, they can tap into the Bulldogs' resource. Now, I know the Bulldogs aren't having a great season, but it's cyclical. Penrith were awful for a long time. Now they're champions. They're, they're the benchmark. Who built that? Phil Gould. Um, James says, I was initially... Uh, was initially excited and I was expecting Canterbury to announce a new NRL team. Then they announced the partnership with the Bulldogs. Complete BS. NRL are happy to pillage our New Zealand talent and support their comp and then have the uh, then have the gall to say New Zealand doesn't have the talent to support a second team. Kempi was right. New Zealand should have a second team before the Dolphins entered. And of course, running it straight, we will talk to Kempi about that right off the top, actually, right off the top, because he's a passionate man about supporting New Zealand Rugby League. I heard his thoughts on bringing origin to New Zealand. And I think I differ a bit from Kempi here. Um, he does wear his heart on, on his sleeve for New Zealand Rugby League. And he says origin should only come here if it benefits the local product. To me, am I cynical in saying that's that's like saying Ed Sheeran shouldn't play here unless it benefits the arts and the music industry of New Zealand. It's an entertainment model. It's like a concert. It's a rugby league concert for New Zealanders to be entertained. That's how I would view it. Um, but there's two ways you can look at it, neither right, neither wrong. Um, so, yeah, keen on your feedback. I am very conscious also that with the rural roundup on at the moment, that is on the radio frequencies in Christchurch. So 
Um, I would have liked to have held that back to one o'clock when Christchurch rejoins us uh, from Andy Thompson's uh, award-winning show now. Um, but as I say, we will replay edited clips, uh, poignant clips and comments uh, that the CEO, Malcolm Hum, uh, shared with us from Canterbury Rugby League. But the text line, which is the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three, is welcome for your feedback. Um, after the news at 12.30, we'll stick with, stick with Rugby League for a little bit longer because I was listening to the Jimmy Smith show. Of course, Jimmy Smith joins us on... Uh, Mondays and Fridays at 2.45 and it used to be 3.45 for his Michael Maguire hour. He has the Kiwi coach Michael Maguire in studio and we used to have a chat with Madge but now we've gone, we're finishing at 3, not 4. We don't get that so I I usually listen to the Michael Maguire hour in my car on the way home and I had some really, he's really interesting and a real student of the game, Michael Maguire. So we'll get some clips from that chat with Jimmy Smith after the news and then after the Michael Maguire stuff, you're all waiting for it. Rubinho's Wimbledon rap. Um, we're at the pointy end of the tournament. Uh, Robert Kenny's going to win. Uh, that's my thoughts. I actually haven't caught up with any results overnight, so I'll be learning along with you. And at one o'clock we'll have Fusi Fuanati, who is the head coach of the Wellington Pride Farah Palmer Cup team. Uh, three or four years he was at the Two Cyclones and he really did turn that team around from the ground up with their academy, um, inspiring young woman, identifying young woman, and um, he's now with Wellington. I have no doubt he'll do the same down there. Uh, um, someone's just sent in, Staffy, interested in your thoughts on the partnership deal with, signed between the Canterbury Rugby League and the Canterbury Bulldogs, Sparky from Brisbane. We just played it out, Sparky. <laughs> we just played out the interview. I think from a Canterbury rugby league point of view, I think it's a good thing. At the mo- it, it's better than what they've got. And what they've got is just being self-sufficient, um, battling away with their club, not having an NRL team, not having a direct pathway. They've probably got indirect pathways to the Warriors, which is our one NRL side. This opens up a door for, for me, coaching resource, talent identification, Yes, we'll probably lose rugby league players from um, Canterbury region to the Bulldogs, but we're doing it already. We've got so many good rugby, good oval ball exponents in New Zealand. Unless rugby grab them, there's one rugby league team here. There's always going to be New Zealanders in the NRL comp. You can't stop it. You just can't. There's there's just not enough contracts. So I think it's a good thing. Um, Sparky and Brizzy, thanks for joining in and thanks for texting us, double eight, double three. Right, we'll take our break for news and when we come back we'll have some bits and bobs uh, with Kiwi coach Michael Maguire as spoken to Jimmy Smith earlier this week. Now, Jimmy Smith every Monday has um, uh, Michael Maguire, of course, Madge is the coach of the Kiwis, and we've just taken some bits and bobs out of the hour he has with him because you probably haven't heard it, and I just found it very, very interesting. Now, you'll remember in that Canberra game, there's a fundraiser at the moment, um, $5,000 per try celebration, and they reenacted the Johnny Bairstow dismissal, the run out, the stumping, whatever it was, in the Ashes test as part of their try celebration. Jimmy Smith asked Michael Maguire, did he have anything at all to do with that Raiders celebration? No, I can't take that. The players spoke about that one. It was a beauty, wasn't it? Um, oh. Yeah, I think uh, 
it was definitely aired right around the world. So, uh, yeah, definitely put the Canberra Raiders on the map, which was nice to see. But, uh, look, I, yeah, the boys got together and they wanted to come up with something that adds to a really good cause. So, yep. yeah, they're raising money for uh, you know, a number of things that um, are going to help out people. And it definitely um, hit the front line. Yeah. So I love the fact that it was the Yorkshire men that was wandering out of his crease. And so Elliot Whitehead was stumped <laughs> by, by Zachy Wolford. So nice little attention to detail yeah. from the Raiders well, Zachy actually, uh, the, boys, the boys gave him a hard time for actually missing the stumps. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, they, they take text messages from listeners as well. And someone texts in and asks Michael Maguire if he could sign three Warriors, just three, to the Raiders, what three would they be? We're playing them in two weeks' time, so uh, I won't go uh, too hard on them. But uh, look, they're they're playing as a team. I think uh, Andrew Webster's doing a great job there. He's, uh, yeah, I think they're home, they're settled. Um, you know, they're, you know, the likes of Sean Johnson and Charles Nickel Clockstad and uh, Torhu, you know, Dylan Walker. They're they're all playing good footy. I could go right through the whole team. So yeah, uh, yeah, I think trying to select two or three of those guys, you can get a number of those players really. That, um, are all doing their jobs for each other. Good boy, Match. Warriors are going good. Basically saying the whole team is going good. He then responds to a text uh, that said that Queensland, New South Wales origin definitely should not come to New Zealand, but instead New Zealand should have their own origin. Madge's thoughts. Yeah. I'd love to be able to see all the uh, Pacific Island players here in Australia play the Pacific Islands over in New Zealand and bring that over there. So when we actually have New South Wales versus Queensland, we could play that in New Zealand at the same time. Uh, to be able to have uh, their own origin series. Uh, look, you could probably possibly do a um, you know, North and South Island over there, but obviously the amount of players, I think that we could uh, create that game uh, to be a really big one at the same time over in New Zealand. Yeah. So I don't disagree with that. Something else he does, interesting from Madge, um, he's a very passionate Kiwi League supporter from an Australian. He just loves the game. Um, Something else he does, he awards his Kiwi Player of the Week involved in the NRL. Let's find out who he picked this week. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Tohu Harris. Uh, he had one try assist, 172 metres, three tackle breaks. I just think he's um, doing a great job pushing the team around in the middle of the park. Uh, you know, he's a, a big lad. Um, you know, he's, he's got great ball skills, uh, knows when to run, so he's playing a real traditional 13 role at the moment uh, with... Uh, yeah, well, good size. So uh, we're going to have to watch him in a couple of weeks' time, Jimmy. How good's that? I'll send it to Staffy. Staffy, I think, meets every Sunday morning with Torhu to talk about that petition that they're getting going. I'll set, we'll send him that, and that'll be... Look, here's the New Zealand coach talking about you, Torhu. Oh, don't worry, Jimmy. Staffy and I are talking in the background, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the ongoing saga. The ongoing saga. Uh, then uh, for, the last bit, we're going to get you... To listen to, um, of course, Roger Tuivasa-Shek is, uh, is hot property. Um, talked about a lot still in league circles in Australia. Uh, Madge was asked to comment on the future of RTS. I do know that uh, RTS is very keen to get back into the international space, uh, but I've left him alone until he um, finds his feet back in uh, rugby league and obviously talking to the boys there at the Warriors around uh, how he's going. But... Uh, Look where he lands uh, when he finishes up with the rugby union. Is it straight into the Warriors? Uh, I'm not sure if they can fit him in at the moment, but he may take a break. I don't know. Uh, but I think for uh, RTS, wherever he lands, I'm going to be really interested in to see uh, what position he, he lands in as well. I think he yeah. uh, is a quality fullback, but uh, the ability to play in the centres would uh, look pretty good as well. 
Yes, very much looking forward to seeing Roger Tuivasa-Sheik in any coloured jersey, actually, in the next wee while. In fact, Ken out there in Auckland, you'll know. Um, I think there's pre-season games going on at the moment. Um, are the indications that Roger will still be turning out in the NPC for Auckland? And in what position? And in what position? Still second five. Will we see him at wing? Love to see him at fullback. I'd love to see him on the flanks, one of the back three. I, I, I really would. Um, he'll be, if he's playing NPC, which it sounds like he is, I think he'll be brilliant. I really do. Um, such a professional, Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Right. Um, we'll take a break now. You've all been waiting for it because I have been too. I stay away from the results because it doesn't get better than Robinho's Wimbledon rap and that is coming up after this break. That little intro, oh, eh? Wimbledon rap. Yeah, gets me excited. Righto, shoot her away. Righto. A lot of quarterfinal action underway, Staffy, overnight. Uh, good win for number two seed Novak Djokovic. Took down Andre Rublev in four sets, uh, losing the first one actually 6 4 before coming back to win the next three 6 1, 6 4, 6 3. Uh, so a bit of a shaky start, but Djokovic got through. And after the match, he spoke about the, uh, the pressure that he has to play under. Any tennis player wants to be in a position where everyone wants to win against you in the court. So, you know, it, it is it is a privilege, as Billie Jean said. I, uh, you know, pressure is part of what we do. It's part of our sport. It's never going to go away, regardless of, uh, you know, how many Grand Slams you win or how many matches you won or how many years that you're playing on the professionally on the tour. The pressure is uh, paramount every, every single time I, I come out on the court, particularly here, the centre court in Wimbledon. But at the same time, um, it awakens the, the, the most beautiful emotions in me and, and it motivates me beyond uh, um, what I've ever dreamed of actually to, 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 and, and inspires me to play my best tennis. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that they want to get a scalp, they want to, to win, but uh, it, it ain't happening still. <laughs> Novak Djokovic. The Joker. He's playing well. Um, <laughs> He's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm not... Not a huge fan, but yeah, you can't you can't go past what he's done for tennis and how he plays, and yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, he'll, he'll now take on uh, Yannick Sinner of Italy, who also made it through his quarterfinal after taking down Roman Safiulin in four sets. Uh, Djokovic was asked about whether he'd have time to watch Yannick Sinner and what he expects from that match coming up. Uh, we mostly played kind of at the same time. I have I've watched him, uh, I think, first set uh, today. Uh, a little bit and uh, you know he's playing on, on a very high level uh, he play, he likes to play on grass he likes to play on quick surfaces because he likes to be aggressive and take control of the point so he from both forehand and backhand he's uh, you know smashing the ball really really hard and, and trying to to be the the one that is going to dictate the point uh, from early on so I, I know his game well uh, and he's he's so young, so of course it's expected that he's going to improve. So he, he is improving, uh, no doubt. I think with the serve, uh, he's, he's been serving better. And uh, on grass, obviously, makes a difference. So uh, he's a very complete player. Uh, now, first time in semis of, of Wimbledon, so I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to that challenge. We both have two days uh, to recover. Uh, I'm sure that he's going to be very, very motivated to, to, to win. Uh, on the other hand, I'm too. So, 
let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Big match coming up. Monster. Semi-final in a couple of days' time. Definitely one to watch if you happen to be up in the middle of the night for whatever reason. Like you. Uh, exactly. This is how I get this information. We both know this. Uh, now, these two actually met each other uh, in last year's Wimbledon quarterfinal, uh, where Sinner was up by two sets before dropping the next three to lose the match. And uh, he gave his, his thoughts on this upcoming final, uh, thinking back to that match last year. It's going to be a completely different match last year um he knows me better as as i know him better also so it's uh gonna be also a little bit tactical um but in the other way um it is also a little bit mental no also um if you if you play against novak it's always tough to tough to play here um especially on grand slams um but you know i'm i'm happy i will fight for every ball i will uh i will enjoy the moment but Knowing that I can, that I can go hard, no, um, trying to trying to beat him. But as I said, you know, it's uh, now I have today off, trying to to work on a couple of things what I might use for the next uh, for the next match, and um, you know, let's see, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. What a romantic accent that is, isn't it? I will go to the court, you know. <laughs> it will be a good match to watch. It will be. Um, so, yeah, big, big semi-final coming up, as I said. Now, women's side of the draw, upset alert um, in, in both games, to be honest. The really? Four, the fourth seed American, uh, Jessica Pagula, has bowed out of the tournament, going down in three sets to Czechia's Marketa Vondrasova, 6-4, 6-4 in the end. And this is what Vondrasova had to say about progressing through to the semifinals. Yeah, it's amazing feeling. You know, I was I was down one four in a in a third set, so yeah. I mean, my my thoughts weren't so good. So uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just very happy. You know, I was fighting through the whole match. So uh, yeah, it's it's amazing feeling. Just a bit overwhelmed with <laughs> overwhelmed with emotions, I think. Um, as she said, 4-1 down in the third set, uh, one at 6-4, so five games in a row. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, amazing performance from her there. Uh, her best career performance at a Grand Slam uh, came at the French Open back in 2019 where she made it to the final, lost to Ash Barty in straight sets. But other than that, she's just made it to the fourth round in each of the other three majors except Wimbledon. Her best uh, Wimbledon finish before this year was making it to the second round in 2021. So great result for her. Um, and we'll definitely be watching that semi-final. In the other quarterfinal, another big upset taking place. Uh, Alina Svitolina of Ukraine, she took down world number one, oh. Igas Fiontek. Won the first set 7-5, lost the second 7-6 in a tiebreak before winning the third set 6-2. Now, she's had a great run in the tournament. Um, she took out Venus Williams in the first round, also notably Victoria Azarenka in the round of 16. And she has been to one Wimbledon final before back in 2019 where she lost to Simona Halep in straight sets so she'll be hoping to improve on that in a couple of days and here's what uh, Svitolina had to say after the match on all of the support she's been getting back home means definitely a lot and uh, I know that lots of people back in Ukraine watching uh, got really massive amount of messages uh, from last round and uh, I didn't really check my phone yet today but i think uh, there will be a lot of a lot of messages a lot of news and i'm happy that i can bring little happiness to their life uh there was many videos also on the internet where the kids uh, are watching on their phones uh, and uh, you know this really 
uh, makes my heart melt uh, seeing this and you know just happy I could bring little happiness to to people of Ukraine. It's amazing. It's an amazing performance for her. It's a good um, story. And yeah, just um, yeah, hearing all those things about people watching in in Ukraine. It, uh, yeah, it's hurting. Tough times for them at the moment, but hopefully uh, she goes on and does well. Uh, Michael Venus had a win with Jamie Murray in the men's doubles, the 6-4-6-3 over Ness and Zielinski of Monaco and Poland, as we discussed yesterday. Uh, they now move on to the quarterfinals. They'll take on Puetz and Kradiets uh, of Germany. Tim Puetz. That's his old partner. Yeah, exactly. So big, big match there. Um, uh, two two big quarterfinals to watch. Medvedev takes on Eubanks, the American. That is that is tonight. That's going to be very big. Uh, and Alcaraz takes on Holger Rune. Um, Yannick Sinner, as we were talking about before, he's actually the youngest Wimbledon semifinalist. He's 21 until Alcaraz and Rune take on each other in the semi-final <coughs> tonight because they are both 20, just six days apart. Um, so one of them obviously will become Wimbledon's youngest semi-finalist, uh, assuming they both don't pull out somehow. Um, and two, two more quarterfinals on the women's side of the draw. Madison Keys takes on Arena Sabalenka. That's going to be a great match. And oh, even better if that's even possible. Ons Jabur takes on Alina Rabakina. She's going to win it. Big match. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, that's been your Wimbledon wrap. There's a lot coming up overnight. Oh, can't wait. Well done, Robbie. Well done. Uh, Robbie, some uh, interesting news has just come across my desk. Um, New Zealand, for the last 10 years, has been the greatest country on earth, according to The Telegraph in the UK. Um, they run a poll to ask their readers, which is the greatest country in the last 10 years. Well, it stopped in 2019 before COVID. Previous 10 years, it had been New Zealand. We've slipped to number two. We've slipped to number two. <laughs> uh, number one now is South Africa. And they are thinking it's because uh, New Zealand was harder to travel to, so they didn't have that connection. They think it will get back to number one. But the top 10 from 10... Botswana, Costa Rica, India, Kenya, Italy, Australia, Japan, the Maldives, New Zealand, South Africa. We'll get back to number one, folks. 30,000 in a poll is big. Going to talk some Farah Palmer Cup rugby. It gets underway this weekend. Head coach of the Wellington Pride joins us. Well, the Farah Palmer Cup is getting underway this weekend. And joining us now, former Manawatu Cyclones coach, the newly anointed Wellington Pride coach, great supporter of the women's game in New Zealand, Fussy Fionati, joins us. Fuss, what brought about the change, my friend? Manawatu down the road to Wellington. Oh, Mark, yeah, yeah um, great to hear your voice, mate. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Hey, um, uh, quite a few things, you know, um, uh, it was hard to say goodbye to the Manawatu girls, but they're in a great place, mate. Uh, for me, it was an opportunity to be a part of a program looking to sort of instill some of the things that we've been able to do similarly in, in Palmerston North around growing the game for our women and girls. And then the other thing was around movement with the family. The family have always been part of the big decision-making around rugby for me, you know. Um, so the wife's looking to progress her career down in Wellington uh, and daughter has transferred her, uh, her degree paper from Canterbury University to Victoria University. So they were big influences, mate. Oh, couldn't lose you to Canterbury, mate. Holy hecka. We couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you were part of um, the Hurricanes Poet campaign as well, you're really continuing to develop as a coach. Um, what's the main difference for you between the Super Rugby for the Women and the Farah Palmer Cup? 
Yeah, it's a level of um, support, really. Um, you know, super rugby, you know, you're up there, you're playing at that level, which is right underneath international rugby, and those players are effectively identified with uh, a little bit more talent. But the, the ones underneath at Farapama Cup, um, they're, very, they're very much club rugby players that we're trying to bring through systems and currently academy programs and, and high-performance programs or development to high-performance programs that are currently funded by New Zealand Rugby and the provincial unions. So still very much a growth and development opportunities within the, the FPC level. Um, but at Opiki level, they're very much the girls that are on the cusp of either wearing a black jersey or on the road to getting them to those black jerseys. And in the Farah Palmer Cup, the vast majority are full-time mums, students, have jobs, etc. Corralling them together, I guess, instead of being like full-time, um, that would have its challenges for, for the coaching staff. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it always it always has, mate. I think the consideration for us is always around where the players are at with what else they've got going on in their lives, you know, and trying to weave rugby in around that. Um, at the moment, they don't get paid to play rugby at FPC level. Um, they've got to go to work. Um, they've got to service the needs of the family. Um, and, of course, with the changes of times and the way they are in society, you know, a lot of it comes with pressure now, you know, um, travel to get to, to trainings, for example, we're based out of Upper Hutt with the girls in Wellington and a lot of them work in the city. So by the time you get through traffic, you know, you, you're absolutely stressed by the time you arrive at training. So a lot of that stuff we, we, we're having a look at, we're making sure that we're helping to alleviate pressure, but then we're putting some stuff in that can, can help them to, um, to focus in and, and concentrate for the short period of time that we get them because it's really valuable, that connection fund that we have. Of course, at the moment, uh, the Black Ferns are away uh, with their campaign in the Northern Hemisphere, so they're not going to be there this weekend. It's it's a bit of an opportunity for the Wellington Pride girls to take on a Canterbury size, but the Canterbury will still be really, really strong, even though they have a large number of Black Ferns. Yeah, Canterbury, uh, they've got a they've got a really good system there. If there's one, if there's one um, product that you'd want to have a look at and have, have a look at how they're doing things and why they're so successful, um, it, it's a Canterbury program at the moment. Um, they're just churning out black firms. Um, they're they're just um, winning titles. You know, at, um, when, when they feel like it, when they get to work, and you know, they're creating depth in their programs down there. So probably a lot of it has to do with the the, uh, the, the layers of the game. You know, right down to club rugby level, through their school systems, um, their their talent identification, their recruitment, um, and probably some succession planning that they've got right throughout. Um, you know, coaches, um, administrators, management, and then the level of support from the top down. Um, and what that looks like for resourcing the ability to be able to keep going out and, and, and winning titles and achieving high success. So for us heading down there this weekend, uh, we're not going down there with any level of naivety. We know what we're getting ourselves into, but we're also backing ourselves to go down there and do a job. And uh, that's our job as coaches is to put plans together and uh, be able to articulate that really well with our players so that we're resonated, we're all on one page, we're aligned, and uh, we're ready to go to work come 12 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And, of course, you've relinked up the association with Shannon Paku because he was the CEO at Manawatu when you were coach at Manawatu, and he's very um, forthright in his support of women's rugby as well. Have you seen an injection of enthusiasm since his appointment to the Wellington Rugby Union as far as the women's game goes? Yeah, Shannon's uh, a very strong advocate of women and, women and girls rugby, but more so probably around the systems that need to be put in place and around the processes. 
and then also finding the right people to be able to uh, drive those programs and drive those processes. So, yeah, um, Wellington Rugby Union is, uh, has got a progressive mindset around uh, women and girls. So right now, it's, it's a really delicate space for, for, for us down in Wellington. We're sort of trying to get that alignment between where we've come from to where we need to go to. But do that, it takes a lot of conversations and a lot of breaking down a lot of um, barriers that have been built over the over the day over the years in the past. So um, that's just a matter of getting in front of people. Uh, and you know, Shannon's the sort of person that likes to take challenges on. He's taken a hell of a challenge down in Wellington on. He's he did it successfully in Manawatu, and there's a reason why they they shoulder tapped him to jump into that space down there. And I'm really excited to be able to work with Shannon because I know Shannon's mindset around. Um, you know, what is required to be able to do things. And we may not necessarily have all the resources, we may not necessarily have all of that, you know, that big resource that everybody wants, which is which is money in the bank. Um, but how do we think creatively and innovatively to still be able to deliver programs and be able to put things, lay foundations, to be able to continue to grow things moving forward. So that's what I really look forward to, working with Shannon. Uh, and I was really um, pleased that we were able to connect again um, a couple of months ago. I'm talking to Fussy Fionati, who's the head coach of the Wellington Pride, ahead of the Farah Palmer Cup kicking off this week. Fussy, do, do you have or create or establish an association with uh, school coaches of, of the women in rugby to try and um, sort of get some alignment between our 14 to 18-year-olds um, with, with a pathway, that word pathway, in towards a, a Pride um, not a, not necessarily a contract, but just having an alignment between schools and our future Farah Palmer Cup players. Yeah, right now that's a big piece of work down there, um, Steph. Um, what, what what I'm looking to do is to um, get out into schools. So I went into Wellington East last week and, and did a, a presentation of them around pathways um, for the under 15 girls. So there's a there's a lot of talent down in Wellington. Um, there's a lot of untapped talent. There's a lot of unseen talent as well. So, um, you know, what I'm looking to do is make sure that everybody that's involved in the game has had an opportunity to have a conversation around where they're at, what their needs are, and how do we support them. So how do we as a union, how do I support them, how do all of our high-performance resourcing, how do we take that to be able to support our our layers underneath that pride level to say, you know, we, we want you to be involved in rugby. What do you need from us to enjoy your experience in rugby to continue to keep coming back to rugby so that we can keep building that? Um, that's where I'm at at the moment. Um, <clears throat> that's not to say that the work hasn't been done previously, um, but, you know, the effectiveness and the work and the impact has probably been something that's come through a lot of uh, reviews and, and uh, feedback from people that says that um, we haven't quite got it right. Let's go back to the drawing board. And invariably, it might be ourselves that need to have a look at what we're doing to not be assumptions around what people might think they need from us down there in Wellington. Yeah. It's interesting, Foss, when you hear that you're going to be talking to a head coach of, of a provincial rugby side, you'd think it's um, line-outs and scrums and passing drills and defensive patterns, but it's such a big brief when you're, you're creating relationships and pathways. It, it's a big remit you've got, Foss. Yeah, mate, I, I know, but I, I love it. And that's the, that's the sincerity and the genuineness of... Um, the level of support that we need to offer um, our women and girls rugby, you know, the technical, tactical stuff, um, that, that's coached all the time in the game. And, you know, you, you only have to go and watch um, under under um, under sixes rippers or under sevens coaches coaching with girls and their teams. And they're all coaching the one three three ones and the two four twos. It's great patterns and that. And that's great. That's absolutely great. But how do we create the opportunity for those coaches to still learn material 
that is relevant to ages and stages and, and understand what that process is. So it is a big job, and I, and I think at the end of the day, if you have a look at what we're doing at our levels, we need those layers underneath and we need those systems and processes and infrastructures and all sorts happening underneath us to know that we're confidently getting the right players and we're getting the players at a particular point where they can come up and compete effectively at the level that we're competing. Um, the support that we have can't be isolated to the 20 or 30 odd players that we have in front of us. There's a wider mass of a community of people out there that need our support. So, you know, um, I'm privileged and I'm very humbled to be in, um, involved in rugby and certainly to be able to earn a, an, an income from a, a passion that I have that I'm sure a lot of people would love to be a part of. And so, you know, I have to offer that support. And I'm, and I'm willing to offer that support because um, if there's a need and I can give that support, all it is is it's time. And giving up time is the most precious asset that we can offer people. Well, Fossey, I saw firsthand how you developed um, the young... And the not-so-young women rugby players in Manawa too as well. And, and I look forward to the progress you make with our Wellington Wahine as well, getting involved in the great game of rugby. Uh, I wish you a, a very uh, a lot of fortune this Saturday, uh, but the season going forward, and even more, more so than that, the building blocks are going to be put in place by you and your crew. Um, well done, um, and all the very best of luck, Foss. Thanks, Mark. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting again soon. Uh, good to catch up with Fussy, head of the Farah Palmer Cup. Just letting you know the games this weekend. The Premiership gets underway this weekend. 12 o'clock, Hawks Bay Tui uh, hosting the Auckland Storm. Also at 12 o'clock, the match we were just talking um, to the head coach Wellington Pride about, Canterbury will host Wellington Pride. It's the spot that the, anyone would want Canterbury at the moment with so many Black Ferns involved, overseas and unavailable. And then at 2 o'clock, the Bay of Plenty Volcanics take on the Waikato team. Uh, that's at 2 o'clock, all of those games Saturday. And then from next week, uh, the championship teams get involved. So the opening game in the championships, uh, Tasman are hosting the Otago Spirit. Uh, the Taranaki Fio will host the Manawatu Cyclones. And North Harbour Hibiscus will be hosting the Northland Cody. It's got better and better each year. Here's the Farah Palmer Cup, and we are only a couple of days away. Well, one, two, three days away. Three days away. And don't forget, too, the um, Ranfurly Shield game is on today. Horafanua Kapiti uh, hosting Wellington, who have named 12 new caps, the Wellington Lions. Come on, the Nua. Create rugby history. A uh, few texts have come in, which we'll catch up with. Uh, who is it, whoever is in charge of the music today, buy them a beer. Playing some Michael Jackson, great stuff. Robinho, um, I have to buy you a beer. So says the text message. Uh, from Ken, I put out the question to Ken Staffy. Roger Tuivasa-Shek is playing NPC, but the squad hasn't been announced yet. I'd say he'll be playing a bit of midfield and wing. Probably Zahn Sullivan has got the 15 jersey. Cheers, Ken, who's first five for Auckland, Ken? Because I seem to remember Zahn Sullivan played a bit of first five because Plummer could play 12. Maybe Roger out the back. Just give me a little look at him out the back. Just give me a little look at him. Uh, and answers said, Boom Boom Becker was 17 years old when he won. Pagula would have uh, would have won her match except for rain and roof delay when she'd just gone ahead 4-1 in the third set. And Boom Boom Becker, you mentioned 20 was going to be the new big dog. Yeah, I um, did that on purpose. Uh, oh, just for a reaction? Yeah, yeah, get, get the people texting in. Uh, <laughs> no, a- answer's correct. Uh, yeah, Becker won 
back in 85 when he was 17, so that was a crazy achievement. Uh, the stat was that uh, Sinner, youngest semi-final since 2007, so uh, last 15 years, and then that'll obviously um, be broken overnight. But, but yeah, Ants was listening and is correct, so we'll take that. We'll take that, Ants. We'll take that. Um, we're just coming up, uh, I was going to say one, two, three, because it's 123, which means it's time for... Now, I quite like this one. <clears throat> it's a, it's, a, it's a return. It's a return of a property, a new property, but a returning agent in the name of Craig DeGoldy, former New Zealand Seven star Craig DeGoldy. Still looks fit. Does. CDG. I wonder if people call him CDG. Um, it's got a title of Hidden Valley. And when you look at the photos, you can understand why. It's got breathtaking surroundings and unique features. It's an off-grid retreat and a true sanctuary of peace and quiet, which is exactly what I saw. The, the living area, the houses and sheds and stuff, are flanked all four sides by sizable native trees. So you're, not, you're going to be unaffected by the wind. So Craig the Goldie here operates operates out of Bailey's Bay of Islands, and it is a three bedroom sanctuary. The address is one hundred seven zero Pungairi Road, and it's off grid as I mentioned. It's got a board and batten cladding and exudes timeless elegance, while the earth brick features walls and that that add just a touch of rustic charm. See, I was gonna I was gonna call it modern rustic. I was going to call it modern rustic. Uh, prepare, when you go there, prepare to be captivated. Serene bush surroundings that provide the perfect escape from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. And boy, do we need that. You can embrace the peace and quiet as you soak in the harmonious sounds of nature. Oh, what's that one, Robbie? Uh, the Arctic Turn. The Arctic Turn. Very nice. Well, it's beautiful. Um, you soak in the harmon- uh, harmonious sounds of nature, which we've just given you an example of. Native bush abounds, and you feel a deep connection to the land and its rich heritage. It's almost—it's a compulsory relax. I look at the, just looking at. It, I'm not even there, but just looking at the photo, you're compulsory relaxed. It's in close proximity to the renowned Apokiti Forest. Waipapa and Kitty Kitty. Hidden Valley, this is the name of the property, uh, it offers the perfect balance between seclusion and convenience. These enchanting trails, these local delicacies, and there is a vibrant culture to the area. Modern hippie, hippie modern, rustic charm, peaceful and naturistic. I'm just looking at it, I just love it. You can own a piece of this paradise in the Bay of Islands. The property number, you go to baileys.co.nz, B-A-Y-L-E-Y-S. Don't make the mistake I made for weeks. B-A-Y-L-E-Y-S.co.nz. It'll ask you for the property code. I'll give you that property code. 100-3542. 100-3542. We go to the website and we go to the photos. Have they used the drone? That's the big question for me. Where's photo number one? Uh, photo number one. Here we go. Straight inside, and here's this earthbreak residence. Oh, yep, the drone. The drone's up. Photo two. Uh, it's got one of those ring road, ring road drives that I just love. So you don't have to do three point turns to get out of your drive. It's just a ring road. 
uh, this sheds, these lean-tos. This, gosh, this one, two, three, four, five. This five four by four SUVs. So there's a lot of buyers queuing up to go and have a look. So best to get in touch with Craig DeGoldie. There's a big covered veranda overlooking your bush. There's a fire pit outside as well. I think that's a fire pit. I hope you're allowed to burn fires. Doesn't look like it's been used for a while though. Um, then the aerial view of the valley of uh, Sammy Hewitt's listing. Yes, you can you can have a fully treed pitch and putt six holes. No problem. Two verandas, veggie garden, uh, rustic sheds, little couch outside, some sun lounges as well. The country kitchen, which has got like the four burner stove, and I mean, actually, no, it might even be six. It's a monster, all beautiful in wood. The old, the old style, beautifully preserved wooden windows, big clock on the wall. But you don't need to know time because you're going to be so peaceful. Big wood burner right in the middle of the home, so it heats the whole home. This wood burner. Um, little alcove off to the side with sun lounges. We're into the bedrooms now. Nice piece of art. You should buy one off me though. It's better than those. Uh, bathrooms modernised. Sheds. It's deluxe. It's deluxe. Is there a map on here so I can actually see? Can't find it. Now, there's a deadline. There's a deadline. Must be sold by the 11th of August. So you've got a month to go and see Craig to Goldie at the Bay of Islands Bailey's. That is the Bailey's Property of the Week, and it's been a joy. I feel at peace. Bit more music. There we go. Bailey's Property of the Week. Good stuff. I do love teaming up with Bailey's, and they just take me on a little bit of a visual lifestyle holiday every Wednesday about this time. Um, More texts. Jock McKenzie might be playing 10 for Auckland if Plummer is playing 12. Scotty, there we go. There we go. Uh, Staffy, the 10s, without the squad being named yet, this is Ken, Mr. Auckland, rugby. Uh, Jock McKenzie, Harry Plummer, and yes, hopefully Zahn Sullivan gets a crack at 10 also. Cheers, Ken. I'd, yeah, nice. It's, it's quite strong, isn't it? It's quite strong. Hi, staff. What was the midday announcement? I was listening to Andy Thompson. Cheers, Ken from Christchurch. So the midday announcement that was embargoed to midday is that the Canterbury Rugby League have signed a partnership with um, the Canterbury Bountstown Bulldogs, similar to the one that Auckland Rugby League announced, was it a week or two ago, with Parramatta. So it's a shared uh, resource, particularly in coaching, Talent ID, etc., etc. Now, Canterbury Rugby League, I'd imagine, aren't flush with funds, aren't flush with resources, so it could be a bit of a, a lifesaver type thing um, for the advancement of Canterbury Rugby League. He did suggest uh, they were looking at perhaps bringing a, a game a year of the Bulldogs to Christchurch, and we saw the support that the Warriors, when they played Melbourne in Christchurch, sell out. It's a good rugby league town, um, Canterbury or Christchurch. So that's what the announcement was. Um, that's what the announcement was. Um, and I'll be talking more about that at 2 o'clock with Tony Kemp, who is out in the office at the moment listening to that interview, and we'll bring you some cuts of it, uh, people that may have missed it. Um, we'll bring you some cuts of that interview for pertinent points, and we will discuss this move and what it means for Canterbury Rugby League 
and what it means for rugby league in general as well. So we will do that after two with Kempi in running it straight. A couple of text messages. Staff, I love the real estate call this afternoon. Elevator music and bird calls. Can't get any better from Shannon. I I agree. (laughs) I love the real estate, but I really do. Um, Staffy. Uh, Staffy. Ideas. Hidden Valley. Does it have enough land to build your own cricket pitch with club rooms? That's the dream. I've still got the window open. Let me go back and have a look, Dino. Um, my answer is, there's the aerial shot. You might have to clear, there's sort of a, there's a, it's quite hard to describe. A lot of the property is bush. I would say 60%. The two substantive areas of non-bush, one's ideal for that six-hole pitch and putt. The other area, which is in a bit of a basin, it's only got uh, about eight trees with permission. You could knock those down and you could reconstitute like the Luggett Cricket Club, if you're aware of that. Wouldn't be a huge club, short boundaries, but you'd have a slightly elevated clubhouse overlooking your pristine cricket venue the Hidden Valley Cricket Club HVCC let's make it happen Dino if that's your dream I'll make it my dream and there's lots of parking it's off the main road you're not going to hit balls into passing traffic I like the way you're thinking Dino give Craig your hold of your ring give him a ring see what it's like see what it's like Uh, we'll take news with uh, Johnny Mack right now news sport and weather still to come in the next half hour I'll give you I'll give you my TAB odds update after the news we'll find out from Robinho who does such a good job on the Wimbledon rap Um, in the Wimbledon rap uh, I'll give you what's making news sorry I've just got someone waving at me through the window Um, and we'll have a look back in the day as well and don't forget Tony Kemp was running it straight uh, him and I will take you through from two to three. But for now, Johnny Mack and the news. Well, we're going to give you a bit of a TAB update now. TAB.co.nz, that's where you find all of the stuff. But first of all, I actually hadn't cast my eye over the South African team. I mentioned, so before I opened the TAB website, I remember when the market opened, it was 10 and a half, and I thought that wouldn't last. Uh, here's the South African team. If you haven't heard it, because I hadn't, uh, fullback. We'll go fullback to front row. Willie LaRue, Cheslin Colby, freak of a player. Uh, Lacanyu Arm, Damien Dialende. Does midfield get better than that? Uh, Mapimpi on the other wing. Uh, Damien Willemsa, Faf de Klerk. So obviously uh, Andre Pollard hasn't recovered in time. Uh, Faf de Klerk at nine. Uh, Jasper Visa, Franco Mostert, Quagga Smith, Luke De Jager, Eben Itzabeth, will captain. Maybe that's to try and get him to lengthen his fuse so he doesn't get cards. He is one heck of a player, Eben Itzabeth. Uh, Franz Mulherb, uh, Bongi Mbanambi, and Stephen Kitsoff. Malcolm Marks is the reserve hooker, I think potentially the best reserve in the world. Wow, you want an impact off the bench, you give me some Malcolm Marks. Uh, Thomas Detoy, Vincent Cock, RG Snyman, Peter Steph Detoy, Dwayne Vermeulen, Grant Williams and Manny Libick. That is one tough, tough South African team. One tough South African team. Um, gee whiz. So now I go back to the TAB website. 
Just quickly. Hold on there, Dino. Hold on there, Dean. Dean's rung. He wants to talk about something, so I'm happy to have a chat. I just want to have a look what's happened to that point start. It was 10, nine and a half. So it's gone from 10 and a half to nine and a half. I won't be surprised if it goes eight, and I won't be alarmed if it goes seven. Uh, we're waiting for the New Zealand team to be named. I'm, I understand it's going to be this afternoon. Hasn't been named yet, has it, Robbie? No, it hasn't. Um, I think that point start for South Africa is good. I really do. Uh, and State of Origin, of course, tonight. Looking for some movement there. Uh, Queensland are 168. New South Wales, 215. I think that's generous for Queensland. Um, they just win for fun. And they will love a, Queens, uh, a clean sweep in Sydney. That's the motivation. Like a lot of people would say, if they're at home, you know, big favourites if they're at home. But the delight that team and that squad would get to go three and zero, and get the decide, uh, get that third one in Sydney in front of the New South uh, New South Wales Blues fans, I think that is massive. And there's a boosted price here. Queensland first to ten points, that'll happen. Valentine Holmes, any try scorer, he scored. 12 tries in 16 games of origin. I think I heard a stat, something like that yesterday. So, yeah, he'll score. And Queensland win. Yep, they'll win. $6. That's a fill-up. That's a fill-up. TOB.co.nz is where all of that info is. Uh, we will go to the phones and we'll talk to Dean and Dunedin. Dino? Yeah, going, Steph. Good, buddy. Very, very interesting South African team. For me, like, I've watched them play with interest since 1976 and I don't think they've ever had a number six like Croker Smith is a seven mm. so I, I, that selection is like I don't know and it's it's interesting like it is a very very strong team like that exhibit like he's just he's he's at the peak of his game Absolute, no doubt about it. Like he's got arms like my legs now, mate. Like he was always a funny-looking rooster when he first came on the scene, but now he is like they seem to grow into godlike creatures, don't they? Like remember that that other big bearded bugger? What was the company? He's now off the top of my head, but he was the captain. He was the same. Like when he retired, he was just an absolute machine. Well, this this guy's exactly the same. Well, it's like they clone them like that. But I think depending on what the All Black team announce. Like Malcolm Marks, for me, is the best hooker on the planet. He's incredible. And he's not started. So the team they play in South Africa could be a bit different to this one, I would say. And I'm not sure that Khaleesi and Pollard... Pollard's got a calf tear. He's buggered, because I did one of those years ago, and it took a long time. His league's gone green, yellow, and purple. Hmm. He ain't playing for a while. So I'd say he's just got a wee niggle. But they're going to have three changes that can make that team... Possibly four. I don't... I, Peter Steph to toy, like, wouldn't he be at six ahead of Croker Smith? Really? The thing I've noticed how South Africa used their benches by starting uh, Imbonabi at hooker and having Malcolm Marks on the bench, um, I think what that says to me is their best hooker is going to finish the game, not start the game. Yeah, and could be a good call. Like, that was the one obvious thing from Argentina. Like, forget about the quality of Argentina on the day, they've had a bad day at the office. Everyone can do that. We've done that a couple of times too, whether it's selections, whatever it is. It's rugby. It can happen. Mm. But our bench was no good. No. You know what I mean? Like whether that's, 
Like Richie, for me, I love the bloke as a player. Like he's unbelievable. I would personally, I love Damien too. But if I'm going to get something off the bench, Damien's going to give you that. I sort of want him on there all the time, but I don't want him at fullback. I'd rather Bowden missed out because I don't think he's been playing well enough. And he's not a fullback. He looks good on a game like that, but this game won't be like that. He's going to be under high balls. He's going to have to tackle big wingers going flat out. That's his Achilles heel. So you put Stevenson there and give him a go. Right? Just give the kid a go. Or Will Jordan if he's fit and ready to go. He's better anyway. But Stevenson's their number two fullback. And he could play on the wing because De Klerk's going to kick those peppering high balls. You don't want Caleb Clark there. <laughs> you want Stevenson uh, just just on I think I'm in agreement with you uh, uh, we do have to push on Dino but I think Richie Moonga is a starter I don't think he's a he's an impact player he he sets the tone for a whole team and he's brilliant at it so I only ever want to see him in a 10 jersey and no other number not 22 not 23 if he's not in the 10 he's not in the team for me and that's not a slight on him that's because he's a wonderful starter D-Mac can do both but I don't think Richie Moonga can I totally agree for me I've said it before on the radio just quickly I'd love them to start Stevenson to give Artie half an hour on the bench to get really pissed off and then come on when they're a bit buggered (laughs) just to save him a bit (laughs) Stevenson Jacobson's got everything mate he is the future at number 8 he is concrete give him a crack Good on you, Dino. See you, buddy. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. I think he was finished. Oh, he's gone. They did have Skulkberger at six, the South African. He was a wonderful six. They play left and right, remember, South Africa. Do they still play left and right? We play open and blindside. South Africa for years played left and right. Just stuck to the same side of the scrum. Right out. We'll find out what's making news after this. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop, stop what, what you're, you're doing, doing and, and listen. listen. What's making news around the world? We're about to find out from Ravinio who takes the mic for the second time today after his Wimbledon rap, but it's a world news rap now. Ravinio. It is. What an honour. And we're going once again away from a Florida man and crossing to... A Los Angeles man um, who's warning neighbours to keep a close watch on their small pets after his 15 put... mm, 15 put. 15 put. uh, 15 foot python escaped. Oh, ah. Why are you allowed pythons as pets? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, The man Alex Velolta said his reticulated python, Big Mama, (laughs) mm, uh, escaped from her cage when it was accidentally left unlocked last week, which is... (sighs) An error in itself. I don't know how you'd even massive error. Go about that. Um, but yeah, they've been constant look, uh, constantly looking around all over. And in a notice posted to the community page on Facebook, he said that Big Mama is friendly towards humans, but could pose a danger to cats and small dogs. <laughs> so he's asking his neighbours to keep a lookout for Big Mama and urging them not to harm his pet. He's, I uh, damn well would keep an eye out. Yeah, no, very much so. Yeah, he said they're pretty anxious because of obviously. Some people are not very fond of reptiles and they're pretty scared that somebody might harm them. <sighs> Fingers crossed. Well, I don't, I don't actually know what I want to happen in that story. Back in the day, there was a rumour that someone up in the hills of Waikanae, which is 45 minutes north of Wellington, 
to the Waikanae Beach Townships down on the flat and then up on the hills there was apparently one of the houses up there had an internal tank and they had a pet crocodile or alligator can't remember which one but one of those two and they'd got it through had to jump through a million hoops through um, biosecurity and stuff with quarantines but it lived up there wow fun fact that is a fun fact. And a second story, a Canada-based website celebrating the upcoming release of the live-action Barbie film by offering to pay someone $1,000 to watch and review all 16 animated Barbie movies. <laughs> it's a decent gig. Uh, Not if it was me, it wouldn't yeah, be. Yeah, that's true. Uh, chosen applicant for Barbie's dream job will be paid $1,000 uh, to watch the 16 movies released between 2001 and 2009 and rank them by quality. <laughs> God. Uh, winner will also receive a $50 step in to attend Barbie, starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, when it releases in theatres. They will then be asked to determine where the live-action movie ranks among its animated predecessors. I couldn't think of anything worse. No. Uh, but... The website does say, for those who grew up in the 90s and 2000s, uh, the original Barbie movies represent a nostalgic, simpler time. Were you the Barbie buff who owned every iteration of the iconic doll and saw every movie, or were you the annoying sibling who popped Barbie's head off but secretly loved the films? Either way, there's no denying these cinematic gems hold a significant place in millennial and Gen Z history. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I was, I was around then and my I, sister's head barbies yeah i kind of get the nostalgia of it but i was never not my capital i was never into it and i mean yeah I, I think it is uh it is more catered towards a towards a female audience until ken came along in 1961 barbie yeah. 1959 ken 1961 wow right well oh. i wasn't big into ken either <laughs> um third story mm. uh police responding to a report of a screaming woman in Essex was surprised to discover the source of the suspicious sound was actually a squawking pet parrot. Uh, yeah, Steve, Steve Wood detailed the incident in a video he posted to social media. Was initially confused uh, when police showed up at his house. He thought, like, what, what, what's he done? He thought he'd, he'd done something illegal. Um, he opened the door to two police officers that were laughing their heads off and they said, don't worry, Matt, I think we got this one sussed. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, they, they'd received reports of a screaming woman, but they, uh, it immediately became clear the sound was actually the squawking of one of the man's 22 pet parrots. Mm. So that's got to be a loud house, but, yeah. He said uh, all of his parrots tend to be vocal in the mornings and evenings, but one of them had been especially loud lately. Couldn't have a pet parrot, couldn't have a pet python. Yeah, pet theme, I guess. It is. To today. Right. Um... We'll, we'll, f- we'll finish off with a fact. Finish with a fact. Um, <coughs> I found out the Eiffel Tower apparently gets taller in the summer. It expands with the heat. It expands with the heat. That's very interesting to me. <laughs> okay. That's, that's all I have to say about that's the matter. Fun fact. Quick text says on the, on the rugby, um, I think the South Africans call their reserve forward pack the bomb squad, so they'll always be better than the starting forward pack. And for the All Blacks, I think both Bowden Barrett and Will Jordan will start. I think we underestimate the confidence it gives whoever is playing in 10 when Bowden is playing at 15. Chris, astute. The number six isn't a blindside in South Africa. It's their open. That's their open. I think they play left and right, Dino. Uh, Brett, sorry. I think they're playing left right. Anyway, we'll have a look back in the day and then we'll go running it straight. Here's what happened back in the day.
Right, July 12, 1930, after scoring 309 on the first day, we heard about that the other day. Don Bradman was dismissed for 334. Incredible record. He was a freak. 1996, Michael Jordan agreed to a one-year contract with the Bulls worth $25 to $30 million, making him the highest-paid player in the league, surpassing Patrick Ewing, who was earning a measly $18.7 million. In 1998, on this day, South Korean rookie Sabri Park won the Jamie Farr Kroger Classic by nine shots. Her first round 61 was an LPGA record. She really did open the door for the Korean golfing surge. Birthdays today, uh, all-time great Welsh rugby halfback Gareth Edwards turned 76. Robert Allenby, Aussie golfer, 52. And JP Peterson, South African fullback wing, turns 37. The number one song on this day in 2003 was this one. Kempi's in the house. We're going to do running it straight right after this.